0: The Game Schooler podcast, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, is a weekly audio show that highlights the educational value of tabletop gaming. In this week's episode, we'll cover 5-Minute Mystery, our recommended game of the week, discuss setting up a game schooling space in the School of Gaming, and wrap it up with our high five titles from Stonemaier Games. Welcome to the Game Schooler Podcast. I'm your host, Doug Kotecki, along with my co host, Dr. Michael McCabe. How's it going, Michael? Uh, going great, Doug. How are you? Episode eighty one of the Game Schooler Podcast. Yeah, we're putting it in the books. Yeah. We got a lot to follow up though from episode eighty, don't a we? A lot.
1: Uh, folks, friends, frenemies, longtime <laughs> listeners, first time listeners, I want to apologize for being a dithering fool. And I'm going The I notes have,
0: say idiot, Michael.
1: Well, this is family-friendly. That's not the most family-friendly term, and, and I wrote those notes, so since I did that portion of the run I thought okay. I could. Okay, yep. let me go word for word. I'll allow it. Michael is a dithering idiot. Wits and wagers does not include bluffing. <laughs> Dink! As of last re- week's recording, I had never played Bang the Dice Game and was confused. I confused this with Bang Bullet Edition. Dink! <laughs> Episode 1, to de- here's the deal. In episode 1 to 77, I had a laptop right here, this game schooler issued laptop. It is awesome for fact checking with the internet over the last few episodes. I've had to come in and be prepared. That's a little bit harder. So I'm trying to build back my credibility, and I uh, plan on doing that. I also brought in a laptop in case I really need it because mm-hmm. I have two more mistakes to clean up. <laughs> King of Tokyo Doug was actually episode 10,
0: not episode yeah, 16. I thought, yeah, I thought we were mistaken on so, that. So apologies to Sir
1: Richard Garfield. <laughs> And I vow to do better to our listeners.
0: Okay. I do have a a follow-up that is a, I don't know, it wasn't last week. It must have been uh, the week before when we talked about our top uh, high five Renaissance games. Yes. And it's a wonderful kingdom came up. Mm -hmm. And. I did confirm that that is being published in North America by Lucky Duck Games.
1: Oh, good job. How so, did you do that?
0: Did you reach out to the publisher or just uh, No, I got an email Google? from them directly. Did you really? Yeah, yeah, not related to the podcast, just a, oh, a sales oh, email oh, that they okay. that they were going to be at Gen Con with with title title a new a new release. That's a two player bluffing game, which I tend to like more than Doug
1: because I like bluffing games. Uh, same game a the It's of yeah, a Wonderful it must have World of
0: it was on the no, bluff.
1: it, it, it I've you, been talking about it the last few weeks. It yeah. was the week before, and then I said, so You put it on two lists in a row, well, probably. Okay. I don't know, I'm not going to get into facts and semantics, yeah, of in the, this opening <laughs> segment. I learned we're not going to open up
0: the laptop for no, that, No, not for that. Um, what else? Well, we have uh, just yesterday we posted the a video version of the high five medieval game. So, if I you want to check out the video version, that is going up, and I think I'm going to try and keep doing that we do have all of those videos available and so i think starting from that one i'll just start putting them up and they're going to be you know so listen to the podcast first but if you want to check out the video it'll be coming a, a couple weeks
1: behind did, did you see that one of our, our our enthusiastic fans gave you credit for your minis that you painted did you yeah, notice yeah. that on facebook yeah, i thought and, that was awesome
0: yeah that was nice Thanks nice mike we appreciate that. Is it mike or mark now you got to look it up. Now Let's, I got to look it up. I now think you're going to force me to get the laptop. I think it's that Mark. was
1: Mark. Okay. we uh, Sorry, Mark. We also have a counselor,
0: Mike. So we have a couple of different was it Mark? followers.
1: I'll look it up when we have a break, man. Let's keep this we don't. Alive. We don't have a long Thanks enough go. break.
0: I got stuff to talk about. You look it up while I'm talking. Sure, Doug. Uh, <laughs> so the other thing that I thought would be of note to our listeners and something that I think I'm going to alter the idea for what we had scheduled for next week, but. I just found out that Flat Flat Out Games who did Cascadia is also the publisher behind Point City has a new game coming out. Did you hear about point this? Point Salad? Point or Point, yeah, Point Salad. They have a new game coming out, Point City. That's coming out in 2023. So that looks kind of interesting. You're A about to
1: fall off your chair excited, man. You're, you're Jack. That's great. Great Is game. it Molly Johnson and crew? Same, the same the designers. Same designers, I believe. Awesome. Uh,
0: an engine building game, which led me to the idea of uh, once I got that email from Lucky Duck about Gen Con, I was intrigued by, I think next week for the High Five, we should go through that Board Game Geek, um, the Gen Con, upcoming games at Gen Con. And maybe do a high five on our most anticipated games. What out of that stuff that's going to be showing up on um, at Gen Con intrigues us. I think I like that it. might be a, a cool high five. So I think we'll do that next week. Um, that was Mark. It was Mark, All yes. right. Thank
1: you. Great clarification. Great catch. Great use of laptop. Uh, <laughs> so
0: Mark. It's already paying for itself. Yeah, it
1: is. Maybe uh, we need to do a game giveaway for Mark and maybe one for Counselor Mike. Huh? Should we have them follow up with us over email and reach out to them?
0: That sounds good. Yep. Good, good, um, good, good. <laughs> Mark for the comment, Mike for screwing up your name and attributing a comment to somebody else. There it is. I like it. <laughs> I can get behind that. So special prizes all around. Um, and I do... I almost, you get a car! You get, a car, I'm you get almost, a car! I'm almost done with the X-Men First Class. Expansion.
1: I expect that that will be done by next episode, Doug.
0: I hope so, and I'll have pictures up <laughs> <laughs> online for that. How many that. total
1: minis in that one?
0: Uh, that is seven. Oh, seven. Awesome. The five, five X Men, and two, two villains in that. Great. one. Great, great. Um, and then what great. else is going? Go ahead. I just have something on the game giveaway because
1: we were kind of flipping on that, but we. We are passionate about playing games and games that we've reviewed and recommended. So if there's a specific game that you're looking for, or if you have questions about availability, Doug follows this like a day trader follows the stock market, all right? (laughs) He is all over that. So if you have questions, especially about games that we have already recommended over the first 81 episodes, reach out to us at email at gameschooler.com and we'll address those for you. So Uh I just wanted to throw that in there.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, I screwed up my buttons, but let's see. Is that the email one? You screwed one? up your buttons. Are you I okay? Sc- screwed up my buttons on uh, uh, on our video front. There it is. Um, let's see. Reminder on noblenight.com, use the code SCHOOLER to save 10% on your next order. That runs through August. Again, that's the code SCHOOLER. So take advantage of that while you have it. S-C-H-O-O-L-E-R. And that's right when you're at checkout
1: for online orders only. Yep. One of us found that out the hard way, trying to yep. use the coupon code in the store. One of us got away with it.
0: Hmm, don't
1: know how that happened. Maybe <laughs> they just really wanted me out of the store and they wanted to hold you accountable. Huh? Probably, yeah. Okay. They, no, they uh,
0: did let me do it though. Yeah. They just told me it was a stern one-time warning. Okay. <laughs> um, did you acquire anything this week? So I did. I have two titles to share
1: with our listeners. One, they, they both have kind of longer drawn out stories, but one I, I was really excited to get and to play with my wife and that's called Bridge City Poker from the Portland Game uh, Group. And it's a game that's available in North America just through their website. I'd heard about it on a few different podcasts and uh, I love uh, card games. I, I, I love trick-taking games and rummy style games. And it's a game that certainly did not disappoint. Um, I was very, very busy for a couple weeks in a row. And I threw the box at my wife and said, can you just please learn this game and then teach it to me? You, I, I would really appreciate it. And she did. And it was a lot of fun. Um, and then the second game is a game mm-hmm. that I played with you and your wife this past weekend. Yes. Should we dive into that one? Dive straight into that Grail game. Snow White Gemstone Mining. Mining. Yep. Oh my goodness, is this game fun. You wanna see adults screaming at each other and having a good time. And I just, I got really lucky and opened up Facebook Marketplace, did a search for it, was able to get the game into my house. It arrived today in great condition. Um, So those are our two games that added to the family collection. And before I ask you about your games, Doug, I
0: have a little bit of a tangent to get to in this part of the segment. Okay. Can I interrupt slightly just on a backup of the Snow White Gemstone mining? Oh, please do. Sounds like you were prepared. No, that is a game that is hard to find. It's out of print. There's several different versions of it. And I think what you did is just a great example of if there is a game like that that you've heard us talk about or that you're interested in, Michael got that on Facebook Marketplace. So keep an eye out, search. there's, And I think he got it for a price that was wonderful, barely, barely above original retail. Um, and on eBay, it's going for three times that amount. So just be aware that there's people that are flipping and selling games and, and people that are not gamers like we are, that are... Well, people coming in and out of the hobby at
1: all times Yep, for various reasons. You know, kid, my kid's moving off to college. I'm, I'm selling games that we've been playing. I'm having my first child. I have to sell my entire game collection so that we can put a bassinet in here. For various reasons, people yep. come in and out of the hobby.
0: So just keep an eye out. I mean, I, I'm not recommending that you pay an arm and a leg or, or yeah. certainly pay Don't more than that. you can afford, but... Just keep an eye out because you never know when a deal is going to fall into your lap. And I'm going to talk more about that in the School of Gaming segment a little bit, too.
1: Then the third game that I acquired, I'll save my tangent for a different time. Um, I love tangents. Okay, but last week I talked about Tapple and Margaret, my middle child. She turned 10, double digits, big birthday, and she had so much fun playing it over here. A few weeks ago, picked it up at Target, a game from the op a uh, game that came out in twenty twenty twelve and it, it now has a permanent place in our living room because the box is not the highest quality. I think mm. one of my good friends pointed yes. that out yes. to me. So the box is in the recycling already, mm-hmm. but she got TAPL for her birthday and uh, actually had to take the, the it, you need batteries. So mm-hmm. I had to take the batteries out of my my mouse to run it. So this morning for, so that I could work, <laughs> I'm on doing anyways. Uh, and that's a really good game that we talked a little bit about last week. So you a word spent your battery game. budget, your mouse battery budget on Snow White. The no, 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 no. I ordered new batteries. Oh, okay, I went okay. to Amazon and did that right. But uh, no, no, no. Um, the Tangent. You ready for this one before bring we it, learn about the games yep. in your collection? So anybody who's been over to my house, you don't have to, especially if you go to the basement or any bedroom, one thing you'll learn about the McCabe family. We love books and there's an unschooling philosophy that you know my my wife and I came across early in our teaching career about if you want to raise inquisitive children you have books of all different types of variety all over the house and we have kind of taken that to heart to the point where we now have to remove books for board games mm-hmm. i love that <laughs> i love that problem and it was brought up because of today's recommended game of the week We had so much fun playing, and I thought where the conversation was going to go, Doug, was we're going to have to get rid of more board games. we are going to have to trim down the collection. We've got to get rid of some books so that we can keep a little shelf of board games here. How cool. (laughs) So families change, Yeah. and uh, I still love books, but that was a milestone moment. Uh, Mark the date in July when that statement was... (laughs) put it on a plaque, remember. it wasn't
0: said by me. (laughs) Remember Emily, this is what you said. You told me that. So I took it to heart and threw away all the books. Yeah, we have
1: some laundry baskets of books in in the van that's in your driveway at the moment and also waiting for a new home as well. Those are in route to half price books, are they? Yes, yes. Well, uh, to the local thrift store. I like that. Yeah, so I thought you'd appreciate that. Yeah, I'm gonna start
0: throwing away some of my books too just to to clear up some more space. throwing away. Uh, re <laughs> It's fine. I can barely read. It'll be, it's okay. Um, I acquired on a Lark junior detective. Have you heard of this? I don't think so, Doug. So this is a new one from Buffalo games that just showed oh. up in target $20 price point. It's a deduction, a competitive deduction game with like 40 cases in it. And it has some different, um, Clue mechanisms in it, so it has like that classic uh, red magnifying glass that you put it over the and it reveals the blue word in there. You know well, what I'm saying? Are you on
1: a special Target distribution list because I've been in Targets all over the state of Wisconsin this week looking for tapple and I mean all over from central Wisconsin down to the border. You got so, ch- you got to uh,
0: check out the end caps, Junior Michael.
1: detective. Where are you? Are you like next to where they have diapers or granola and jerky? There's no Junior Detective by Buffalo Games
0: at Target. (laughs) There is now. Um, Yeah, I was there. I helped him get it off the truck this morning. It was there like two weeks ago. (laughs) It's been uh, taking up mental space that I had to clear out and get it. Sorry, go ahead. So So uh, how is it though? Are you? I haven't played it yet, but it looks very intriguing. There's a. There's you're going around town on your bike trying to get clues from the the townspeople and there's one person that may or may not be lying so yeah it's got like different levels of it but certainly approachable for kids so i'm interested to get that to the table good um we did get quest kids to the table which was a unique game it's a dungeon crawl game and on the side of the and a dungeon crawl for people that don't know is is a game where you are heroes going through a dungeon battling monsters and things like that collecting treasure on uh, the side of the box, it said five plus. Okay. And I'm like, this That's is pretty, young. pretty ridiculous. I've got a four-year-old. I don't know how she would ever play any sort of game like that. So Board Game Geek would have it at six months plus? Yeah, yeah, okay. six months. Yeah, throw. <laughs> throw in a rattle, you'll be fine. Um, and I don't know that it could go that low, possibly, but I can see where it works because it's a very... If there was a kid's game with a point salad where everything you do is pretty much good, this is that oh, cool. game. There's not a lot of um, interesting decisions to be made, but it does give, you know, there, there's no brain-burning things. It's either like, yeah. which tile are you going to pick to go to? That's about the extent of, of the choices that need to be made. But there are points where you go and you run into monsters and you may not be able to defeat them. And the other people at the table can help. And then they get kind kid cards for helping out. So I'm interested to see what you think of it at some point, because it doesn't, I don't want to say it doesn't fit into our normal criteria, but, and that's from like a game points standpoint, but my kids loved playing it. Cool. And I felt like some of the qualities and things that it was teaching were really valuable. But not necessarily in the cognitive range, right? You know, so it's it's kind of a unique um, unique animal. I picked that up on Prime Day, and um, so we'll. And that's Quest Kids. Quest Kids is the name of that game. So
1: we now have a series of games to, because I want you to play Bridge City Poker as well to see where that fits in our roll of decks. Uh, looks like we need to have a game school review day coming up here, huh? That sounds good. All right. Get a Saturday um, any, on the anything books. else?
0: Did you want to? Uh, share up what your thoughts were on bang the dice game after playing it for the oh, first time oh
1: very interesting so we have our family vacation kind of staycation at um, my my wife is a triplet and so each year we go to her sister's house that she's a triplet with up in a, a large city in the midwest and we're there for almost a week and um, the thought what we played a lot of of bang the original uh, when we were first dating and with my, my sister-in-law, and brother-in-law, and Emmy said, we need to take that with us to the Twin Cities. And I, I said, well, which one? Both. And and I was hmm. kind of like, so did you just tell me to get rid of books, to make space for more board games, and to go out and buy another game? Is Am I hearing all <laughs> of that in the last three minutes? So I still like the original better than the dice game because I like holding the cards. Mm-hmm. I actually like looking across the table and get that poker aspect of that, that, that con man game. I, yeah. I really like yeah. faking the confidence, but I saw the value of the quick turns with rolling dice and taking actions, especially with Josie. You know, I'm a 13-year-old, yeah. and, and with Emmy. They both really liked that game to the point where Emmy said they're two very different games. I thought, yeah. oh, that's interesting. So I'm glad that we got to play it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it looks like I'll be playing more of it over the next week or so.
0: All right. Yeah, I like the original, I and I like what you exactly what you said. I love that holding back the cards and the strategically choosing not to play certain cards at certain times, which you give that up in the dice game. Um, also very difficult for me to wrap around my head around that thing where it's like, you are not drawing the card that you yeah. need to end the game, and it just prolongs itself. Um, so that's a it's a tricky balance, right? Well, and since we're talking about
1: it, to our listeners, Bang is very similar to Mafia, right? Where you have some hidden roles, and you're trying to figure out who is what. You have a renegade that wants to be the last person standing, sheriff that needs to kill the outlaws. Outlaws need to kill the sheriff. There's a deputy in there. You don't know who the deputy and renegade is. And my thought over the week was... I don't know if we can play the original bang in our house anymore because when we used to play it, there weren't smartphones. And I mean that seriously. In the, yeah. in the first bang, if I am an outlaw and if I get knocked out by the sheriff on my second turn, I could be sitting at the table for an hour yeah. in, in a six or seven person game. Yeah. And so I don't know if we'll play it I, I, yeah. again, like we'll play the dice game. So.
0: Yeah. There's play- a lot
1: there and a lot to unpack. And if you've played Bang, you know what we're talking about. If, if you haven't, I, I don't know if it's a game you need to run out and, and get. It might be a game that, that its best days are behind, but you make that decision.
0: Yeah. And it's, uh, yeah, anytime you're dealing with player elimination, uh, for the most part, kind of disqualifies it from a game schooling mm-hmm. recommended list or anything like that. And there are some games that do have that, but that time that you're not participating is, is pretty limited. So
1: what I realized too is from a nostalgia standpoint, I have put that on high five lists and an honorable mention, but what you just said from a game schooling standpoint, I don't know if I will recommend that game again because mm-hmm. of that factor. Yeah. In our games that we play, we don't want downtime of 30 minutes while everybody else is having fun. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: all right, so uh, I think before we move on, just want to remind everybody to share the podcast with anyone they think might be interested in it. If you're enjoying listening steal to it. Steal their
1: phone, five-star review, give them their <laughs> yeah, phone back.
0: Exactly, yeah. And, and please do that. Give us some reviews on iTunes or wherever you listen. Did you just do a call to action for somebody to steal somebody's phone? Yes. Okay. I mean, it's, yeah, I'll allow it. <laughs> and a classic Doug phrase, I'll allow that. Steal, Steal your neighbor's phone. Subscribe them to the podcast, leave a review. Only Um, five star review. Yes, please. Don't steal them and do a one. That's a (laughs) that's a waste. Don't get a felony. To
1: us and them.
0: Don't get a felony for a one star review. (laughs) Make it worthwhile. Um, and lastly, you know, Michael alluded to it earlier, but contact us with any questions or comments or anything like that. Email at gameschooler.com. And we also have a contact form on gameschooler.com too that you can fill out. Um, And that's just a great resource. We're always updating it and, and moving things around. So feel free to check that out. But without further ado, let's get on over to the recommended game of the week.
1: The recommended game of the week. The Recommended Game of the Week is a family-friendly game we think you should add to your collection, and it passes our stringent criteria for quality and content. This week's game is 5-Minute Mystery by Wiggles 3D, which I've been trying to say with a straight face all day, and I'm (laughs) glad that I did. Doug, give us the stats. You nailed
0: it. Published in 2020, the designer is Connor Reed. The art is by Cam Kendall. One to six players. 5 to 30 minutes ages 8 and up and board game geek agrees the recommended weight on this one that is the complexity scale is 1.17 out of 5 so fairly lightweight and according to the publisher you're uncovering the secrets of 5 minute mystery in this high intensity deductive game you'll work together with your friends to find hidden symbols piece together clues and arrest a culprit all in just 5 minutes You'll win together, you'll lose together, but every time you'll have fun together. Easy to pick up and quick to play, 5 Minute Mystery is great for newbie gamers, busy families, and game groups looking for ice, for an icebreaker. So if you're ready So if you're ready to cheer as you arrest a frog while a British walrus yells at you, then clear a spot on your game shelf for 5 Minute Mystery.
1: Who writes copy that good? That's good. That's think good stuff. Think of the description we've read. That's got to be number one out of 81 read.
0: I think well so. Well done. Um, so published by Wiggles 3D and in some sort of conduct- in conjunction with Spin Master Games. I'm not sure how that, that works out. I think this was a Kickstarter game that then got picked up and they also do 5-Minute Marvel and 5-Minute Dungeon are also in this line. Um, so... The description there didn't go fully into detail on how the game plays, but in essence, there is large kind of tarot-sized cards on the table in which all but one player is going to be looking at, and they are looking for four unique symbols in that... It's four, right? Yeah. Yeah, four symbols in that drawing. Five symbols. Five symbols. You're looking for five symbols. Five symbols. There's four clues. And there are... So, as all the players are looking at this portrait, trying to find these symbols, they are then communicating with the person that has the codex, which is a little plastic contraption here, with all the different variations of the colored symbols on it. The other players are shouting out which symbols are in the code, while the person with the codex is flipping these rings around to try and match up to the code. When you think you've got it, you flip over the card, If it matches, you're going to get a clue, which then you take.
1: If it doesn't, everyone at the table is going to get anxious because there's a clock running. You're going to go faster and make more mistakes. Back to you, Doug. It's
0: running at five (laughs) minutes. You got five minutes to do this. When you get a clue, you're going to take this little square tile that hooks onto a culprit. There's a face down culprit that's got this weird, it's kind of amazing how it's done. It's really good. Codex. it's It's a... tile with different uh, color schemes that have to match or not match. Yeah, so if and the if, color
1: schemes match, then you know, like you're putting down a clue and the clue says monocle. If that color scheme matches everything that's in the center of the culprit, you know the person is wearing a monocle. If one of the colors is off and it looks almost like a barcode, that's yeah, what, what yeah. my kiddo said today. And I was like, oh, that's really good. So if the barcode doesn't match, then you know that the culprit's not wearing that and that eliminates suspects out of your hand.
0: Yep, and so you're trying to get as many clues as fast as you can to figure out who the culprit is. Now, when you start out in the early missions of the game and there's a handful of missions in this game that you increase complexity as you go along, in the beginning ones, there's gonna be maybe a full aspect that's uh, eliminated. So you're only dealing with eight sub suspects yeah. to start as opposed to the whole game, which might have 20 to 30 yeah. in the game. So it narrows it down faster as you get good at it and then can increase the complexity. It, the game scaffolds really well. And this seems yep. to be a theme. You know, We recently have
1: started reviewing uh, Disney Sorcerer's Arena from the op and they have a chapter system that just gets you into the action right away. And I feel like Five Minute Mystery does such a good job with that. With the opening case actually gives you nine minutes. Yep. And then your goal is to catch a culprit. So it teaches you the very basic essence of the game is to find out who done it. And then as it levels up, and the app is wonderful. There We use the app, you, they have it on Android and iOS, it's free. So you download the app that has the timer and you can go from mystery to mystery. And the little British walrus is talking a little trash at you as minutes go by.
0: Um, It's just really, really easy to get into. Yeah, and one thing I do have a a note of is that you don't need the app to play the game. You certainly don't. You you can just... It's Essentially, it's It's, a very enhanced timer. Um, And a a little bit of... um, the, The walrus will read the introduction to the case to you and stuff like that, but it's not required. So don't think that if you've got this set up at school that you need to be providing a phone with an app on it for everybody that plays Absolutely the game to not. do it. So nope. get that out of the way. Um, so that's how you play the game. what do you like about this one? Or tell me about your experience well, I'm, you had... Quite the experience playing it.
1: Yeah, we did, and this was one that you gave, so we played, I don't know if it was three months ago or six months ago, it had to be, I started logging my plays religiously in April, and you and I played this with your oldest before then. Mm -hmm. And so you gave it to me to borrow over the week, and so it had kind of been sitting on our next to play game shelf throughout most of the week. You and your family came over, we played other games, Tapple, some few other games that we've been reviewing. And then finally today, um, you know, as soon as work was done, uh, I'm just really thankful that my wife could see I had a little bit of anxiety and tension with we we're supposed to play over lunch, but then I got busy and worked through lunch. So here I am right at the end of the workday, we got to the table and played and the next hour disappeared. And it was raucous and <laughs> rowdy. And there are games that you know, when you get to the table, you think like, oh, people are going to absolutely love this. I didn't know how it would go. Like when we did Dinosaur Tea Party in a similar fashion, um, I kind of thought that my family would like it. But this was one where uh, Josie, age 13, saying, we got to get this game. I love this game. And after about the seventh time, I was about to just shut Josie down and say, let's focus on the case. I've said that a few times already. I know, but I'm just having so much fun. (laughs) And... There was a shorthand that was developed between Josie and Emmy, exactly how I saw you and your Emily. Mm. So Doug's daughter is Emily, my wife is Emmy, so that's why I'm kind of drawing the differentiator there. But where Josie is saying uh, Captain America, Target, You know, the symbols that are on there. Yeah. um, Same way that that you and and your daughter had that shorthand going. Yep. And I I had a very similar gaming experience when I played with you and your child where I just tried to not get in the way. You know, just tried (laughs) to be a supporter. Lots of fun, I could keep
0: going, but I'll send it back to you. Yeah, I mean, normally I'm not a fan of speed games, but I like that this speed game Puts the pressure on the group. Instead of one individual. Mm -hmm. You know a lot of times. It's like well I've got to do my one thing. And if I didn't do it right. Then the whole team screws up. Or if it's a competitive speed game. I'm screwing up. And I'm just going to lose. Because I'm not thinking as fast as everybody else. This one I think does a good job. Especially because. Once somebody has that codex. And they put in their code. That codex passes to the next player. So one person is not. You're in not charge dominating. of that the whole time. So it keeps moving around, keeps people involved. So I, I like that. And this is a speed game that I enjoy because of that. Um, I think the components with that, that plastic codex is, reminds me of uh, Da Vinci Code. Yeah, I was just going to say that. It's brilliant, right? Yeah. And, and yeah. a little bit of
1: Indiana Jones. And you just touched on the two points that I, I asked. You know, my wife loved the pace of the game. Mm-hmm. And... Josie what, called it the turn thingy. So the codex just thought that that was so much fun to put that together, yeah. Or to tell people, you know, Josie was just pointing at, at her sister. No, the other circle, the other circle. Spin it one more time. There you go. Good. We're moving <laughs> on. And it was almost like an athletic event. Yeah. Because you feel the time,
0: right? Yep. So, uh, yeah, that and that's an awesome. The components draw the people to the table. I I don't, I would have a hard time believing that somebody would have this out on the table, playing it. Somebody walking by would be like, eh, that's not for me. Like there's so much interaction and excitement in this game that everybody, you know, we talk about focus as a a skill and, and thing that happens in gaming. This is one when you have a five minute play time that you can get people hyper-focused for five minutes. And like when that's that, a when that timer goes on, everybody hunkers down and they are in game mode. But that, until that timer goes out. That's my
1: one thing to be aware of because the, the three o'clock, four o'clock hour in a lot of households, and people will know this, that's a snack time. So we had our youngest who didn't want to play Eliza, who's six, I want an apple, I want this. Can I have a piece of candy? And. and Eliza was not our priority or focus <laughs> while we were playing. <laughs> you got to go away, kid. We're playing five minutes. Ah! So that
0: is just. She the traded one. Michael's car <laughs> for a magical bean while the game was going that on. That is
1: the one um, issue that I have to be aware of in a game schooling sense. Sometimes you cannot control the external environmental factors. Anyone who has worked for more than one day in a schoolhouse will know, you know the, the phone that's on the wall is ringing, the intercom, people coming in late. So I I think this is one of those better uh, after-school program games, or if you are playing it at a station where people can be locked in with the app, with the timer and really go to work. Um, Can I just highlight one other thing that I really like about the game? Yeah, go ahead. I love the rule book. So, Teaching games to my family is a little bit of an art and a little bit of a science. I rely a lot on videos to teach my kids and then my kids to teach my wife because my wife and I will fight at the table about how a game is to be taught. Um, Not to get into the inner workings of, of my marriage here, but the rule book is fantastic. I was a little nervous because there aren't a lot of great videos. And Tom Bassel has an awesome review, but the review isn't something that I can sit my kids down and have them watch and now they know how to play. And so there aren't a ton of great how-to videos. And one of the things that I realized, you open it up and the middle how to play just walks you step-by-step when the pieces are out. It is true. The complexity is a 1.17 out of five. It's so easy. You just get the stuff to the table. You set the timer, hunt for symbols, check the solution, pick a clue color, see if the clue matches, rule out suspects, pass the codex. I mean, that's the rule book. Yeah. And you can go step by step by step, and we know what the goal is on the card. We're trying to find out who the suspect is. Here's how you play the game. We truly had the game out, and we're playing in under five minutes, Doug. Yeah, Not many games that we've reviewed can I say that about.
0: Well, and it should be in a five-minute game. You don't want a 20-minute teach to, to play a five-minute game. So it, yep. it lines up great. One of the concerns I have is... Um, and there's a concern I'll throw out there, is I think it's possible, uh, and this would be in a game schooling setting or with, with kids, it's possible for someone to stay quiet in the background in this game. Well, yeah. You know, so just be aware of that. Certainly they're going to have their turn where they're going to be running the codex, so they will be involved. But you can have people just kind of hide in the background and not really point stuff out or get pushed out by the people that are really invested. Um, But usually, and I can't say that I've seen that happen, but I could foresee it happening.
1: Well, I saw it happen earlier today because what I'm, there are certain cooperatives, um, I always have to look to make sure I get the right one, Forbidden Island. Yes. um, Where there's varying levels of enthusiasm towards the game and where Mm -hmm. you have varying levels of enthusiasm and engagement and um, different levels of skill. Sure people can take over this game yeah. and um, I don't mind that as an adult. It's actually nice for me to not be the one talking the most and to be in the background, but I think you brought up a really good point. I'm glad that you did that if you have a shy kiddo or a younger
0: um, kid at the table, they can get lost in it. Yep. Um, That being said, there is a ton of game in this box With the number of cases and that escalation of complexity as you go. But the beauty of that is that there is infinite replayability on this game. So you can, I mean, you can get to a point where you max out at whatever your game group is at. It was like, all right, this is a 50 50 proposition. We may win, we may lose. But with all the different suspects, and and culprits, like you can have a different culprit every time. So even though you play the exact same scenario, it's going to be different because you have a different culprit. Different culprit and the scenes change. The scene cards and the order that you're doing them change. Those are always randomized too. So you never know what you're gonna get. And I think that um, allows you to, even if you get to a, a scenario that is your level, you can keep just playing that over and over again.
1: Yeah, there are a few games that have come out in the last few years that I think do such a good job of combining like animation and digital technology in a way that works. Doug, when I played this game today, I felt like I was in that movie "Who Framed Roger Rabbit." Yeah, I mean, I really had that feeling of like being immersed in a world that is partially animated, and I just think this is a very, very high quality uh, production and, and game. The actual game mechanics and how it works, uh, there's a lot to unpack here.
0: All right, anything else before we move on? You know, on the surface, it may not seem like this is an educational game or that your uh, kids could learn something from it, but we and Michael and I disagree. We've created a list of skills that we think your kids and students can learn from a game like this. Surprisingly, I thought there'd be more crossover, uh, but we got nine full skills on here. The only crossover is our first one, which is Uh, both Michael and I have, which is a process information, a game in which players must examine or analyze information. Uh, So this pops up all over the place. One in the idea of, and for me, I think this comes up in the, you have the clue is more in the deduction level. You have the, the clue, you put it in there, and now you're looking through all the suspects in your hands and trying to get rid of the ones that don't match, you know, so, If the person has a monocle is like, all right, that guy doesn't, that guy doesn't and you're getting rid of them. That's where I think this one really shines through.
1: Yeah. The only other thing to add on that is because of the speed element, the processing information is different in this cooperative than in other games where we have talked about this skill. It's baked into a skill that I have later on and I'll circle back to when we get there. Um, But you, you're doing it fast and playing off of each other almost in in a musical type way of, okay, we've got the circle, we need the triangle. Great, our last piece is a square. There's the square. There's a rhythm to five-minute mystery at the table while that information is being processed out loud. That just isn't in a
0: lot of games that we've reviewed. Yep, I agree. The next skill I've got is observation, a game that rewards careful watching of details and behaviors in order to understand or arrive at a judgment Uh, I think there's one of those uh, few games that when you're looking at those scene cards, trying to find those symbols, it's almost like a a little Where's Waldo? Where are those symbols? They're kind of hidden in there uh, that you have to observe. There's no doubt about it. You need to look at, see what's different, where there's little discolorations and where those symbols might be hiding. And so I I thought that was a, a big skill in this one. That's great. My
1: next skill is uh, another core skill, bring to the party here, and that's problem solving. A game that rewards players for finding solutions to simple or complex problems. And at the end of it, you might have four total suspects left. And some of it is just really trying to determine, you know, did we miss one? Is this a monocle? Is this person holding a newspaper? Because not everything is on the nose. Yeah. And you kind of have to look at, eh, you, you know if their skin is fur or feathers or scales or whatever the fourth one is, and but it, you really have to solve that problem together. Uh, and, I, and I like that. But like Doug had mentioned earlier, and the thing to know somebody can be lost in the background and that's where having an adult at the table to just get the group to pause to get everybody's opinion in uh, can also be beneficial and where this skill can be
0: developed. Yeah. I think uh, we kind of diverge on this next one a little bit, and you'll get to yours a little bit later, but I've got Cooperation, a game that encourages players to work together towards a common goal. There's no doubt that you're working towards a common goal of trying to catch the culprit, and I think this is a great game. Obviously, it's a cooperative game, so you would assume that there's cooperation in it, but this one does it really well when we talk about that focus and everyone invested and buying in for those five minutes you're really working together. And I just, the way that I've seen, you know, kids and my family and people just jump in and say, oh, what about this? I've got this over here. Okay. That's gone. Let me check yours. Let's do this. Oh, there's this over here. You know, that, that conversation and that cooperation going on the entire time is just, off the charts in comparison to other games.
1: It really is, and in an odd way, where I saw it today was in between rounds. When we Mm. were going from case to case, there's just the tiniest bit of setup where you have to reshuffle the scenes, get the the codex set back to zero, and there wasn't any verbal talking of, I'm gonna do this, you're gonna do that, but all four of us at the table just kind of did a little task so that we could get back into the activity faster. That was unique uh, for certainly how we play games at home. Yeah, and I have a skill that I I haven't really talked about in a lot of games and I wanted to highlight it here and that's group discussion, a game Mm -hmm. that instigates the sharing of ideas, solving problems or providing feedback within the group. And what Doug just talked about with cooperation, I'm saying the same thing, but with group discussion, the cooperative is a five minute banter. And it is all about, I have this, I see that, you see this, I see that, and really talking back and forth. And it's lively, it's fun. We had zero meanness at the table in one hour in my house. And I tell you, that that alone is worth buying the game. Um, and so the group discussion, it's it was very positive. And uh, not that that, you know, conflict can be good, it can be, but in this game, we, we didn't have it. And I'm grateful for that. And this is definitely a skill that I think has some legs in the classroom as well.
0: Yeah. And I think when I think about group discussion in this one, I think there's a little, um, and I thought you were going to say this, between rounds, that there's a discussion. So mm. when I think about discussion, which my next skill is communication. And so I, I leaned harder into the communication in this game, as opposed to the discussion. I think discussion is there where discussion pops up for me is in between rounds where people kind of talk about, okay, what can we, how can we improve? How can we do a little bit better this round? Because those stakes are getting raised every scenario that you advance is like, well, maybe we can do this a little faster. Is there a different code name that we can use for this symbol so we can communicate it faster, that type of thing. And my skill is communication, a game that fosters an environment in which players must share information news or ideas and that's where I think it's like it's not as much of a discussion it's more of shouting out what we see trying to explain to somebody quickly what they're doing um, to get them to get the codex in the right position and and then working together to I guess when I think of of a discussion, I think, of more long, like, drawn yeah, out. Yeah, and the five you think minutes, more of, like, reflection and yeah, activity. Yeah. yeah, and so in this, is like, rapid fire. You need to communicate. This game forces you to communicate. If you sit on your hands, you will lose. But he, here's where I'm coming from.
1: So I, I coach high school basketball. One thing, trying to get players to talk on the court. Uh, right now, post-COVID, it is the most difficult skill to develop. Sure. And in this board game, this forces that level of I have the you you're talking through the game. Yeah. And I just I really love that because there's so many other games where the the it's more metacognitive. I'm thinking about this and then maybe I'll mutter through to myself. But this entire game, it is the communication and the group discussion in a very unique way. Yep. Uh you know we talked about it a little bit in Dinosaur Tea Party because but that's competitive, right? This is collaborative deduction, and mm-hmm. and I just really appreciate that. Uh, my next skill is collaboration. We've talked a lot about it—a game that challenges players to work together to produce or create something new. Uh, that something new is kind of a stretch, but you're you're just you're really trying to solve a goal. That's what you're trying to do, and you have to you have to work together to do that. Go ahead, Douglas.
0: I see you smirking. Nothing. I, okay. I feel like you just. I feel like you just described the the definition of cooperation. Well, yeah, without... but
1: you work. You have to work together as a whole group, or somebody's going to be left out. The collaboration. It is yep. that team aspect of. Part of our challenge here in this game is working together, and there's a question in our run sheet that we kind of skipped over about where does this game fit best. And, and, you know, Josie's going to be in eighth grade and and very, very helpful in planning this after school program that we're going to do at, at the middle school coming up this school year. And right away, we both said this has to get into the after school program. We have to get a copy for it. And so I think that gets to there aren't a lot of games that really force the collaboration
0: in a healthy
1: way, not in a yeah. coercive way, but like, you know, we got to get this done together.
0: Yeah, And so
1: that's enough of that.
0: All right, I buy it. Um, the uh, next skill I've got is responsiveness. I was surprised this was not on your list. Uh, a game that rewards players physical or mental reaction time. You need to move fast in this game. There's no, no bones about it. You have to communicate quickly change the, the codex quickly to solve those codes and get those clues out as fast as you can. And you are certainly rewarded the faster you can do that yep. uh, to be able to find those symbols and, and all that stuff. It, even in the, the speed really comes up when you get a new clue and you're trying to eliminate people. Like that's where you have to move fast. It's like, okay, go, 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 go. Yep. Cause then you need to get onto another clue fast. Yeah. You know? Well,
1: and that gets into my last skill here, and is tactical thinking a game that challenges players to make decisions based on currently available and frequently changing information? Doug, we've watched enough true crime. I mean, what is it called when a, a detective gets locked in on a suspect and won't change it? There's a, there's a certain term for that, a certain type of bias or something where you're caught on a suspect, right? Yeah. And I find myself when I'm playing like oh no, it's got to be this little lizard here. It's got to be this lizard. No, no, no. It's got to be this owl. We've we've revealed three clues. It's got to be the owl. And then it comes out, is not wearing a monocle. And I don't want to let go of that suspect. (laughs) And that happened again today. It happened the first time I played the game. And it happened again today. That ability to be able to just shift based on the currently available information. Go where the
0: evidence leads, Michael.
1: Yes. <laughs> yes. Thank you. A little law and order here. Uh, but that's that's my last uh skill. We just got a cease and desist order for okay, that coming. I'm
0: done. <laughs> Never on that theme again. It'll cost us five thousand dollars. All right, so tactical thinking. So that is anything else that you want to add to this one? You? No, I think it's just a fantastic game. Five minute mystery. Uh, From Wiggles 3D and Connor Reed, published 2020. Awesome game and quite economical.
1: Yeah, a lot of game in the
0: box. Very available and the price is right on this one for the time being. As of this recording in July of 2022. So when you're listening 10 years from now and this is a $400 game, remember who told you first. So that is 5-Minute Mystery, our recommended game of the week.
1: The School of Gaming. In the School of Gaming, we discuss concepts, keywords, etiquette, and helpful ideas in the world of gaming and education. This week, we'll be discussing setting up a game schooling space. So, we actually had a few questions recently, and some very recently, that that got me thinking about this. And I know we're going to have future segments around this, too but I really wanna start with, if you're setting up a game schooling space, and notice I didn't say in your home, I didn't say in a community center, I didn't say in a school, because I I think all of what we're about to share is is relevant for each of those spaces. And the, the essential question that I have, the driving question, the overarching number one question, the enter cliche type of question is, do you have a dedicated space? Do you have this is our game school, this is our board game table, this is our game zone or does it kind of live on on a cart, on a little portable something that moves from spot to spot or room to room or area to area within the room? Or is it in a closet and it comes out at a very specific time and period? I think That is the number one overarching concept that you have to really think about. And where, you know, I've always thought about, okay, we're talking to teachers and homeschoolers and librarians, and they're just gonna have space. They're gonna be able to get it set up. But what's forced my thinking a different way, I am getting ready to do an after school program as a community member. And now I'm thinking like, holy cow, I have to take my game bag and, and tubs. I gotta be that guy carting in tubs into somebody else's space and get ready to set up. So from the very start of it with setting up a game schooling space is, what's your space like? What are your constraints for your space? And that is the, the number one overarching principle and,
0: and lead question. Doug, anything to add on that or, or comments? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's obviously very dependent on on your space, the space that you have that is going to determine a lot of that, whether, you know, you have the room to have a table constantly set up in your house or in your school or, you know, your classroom or at the library. You either have that space or you don't have the space. I think one of the biggest things is what makes it uh, conducive to actually being used, Yeah, you know? So it's like in your, your question there, you used to talk about it like, being in a closet, which is fine, as long as people are getting the games out of the closet. If people aren't actually using them in the space that you've set them up in, or you have them, or they're not aware that they can go into the closet and get this, or or pick it up off the cart, it might as well not be there, Right. you know? So I think that's an important, that's like that next step is determining what space you have, but then also making sure that space is functional for how you're using it. Um, Oh, I like functionality there, Doug. feel like Dream Home. I mean, the, the thing that I was thinking about with this one, too, is I think it depends, and I was thinking about, I think it applies to all three of those areas, whether it's, a, it's an after-school, it's a classroom um, uh, library, or homeschooling. I think the other important component is the, uh, the next level beyond functionality is whether those games are teacher led or student led that's really good i wasn't going to go there i had a whole different direction go though go. because i think that's important on how you approach that so if for example if you have something that's student led it needs to be a whole bunch of games that can be taught in about a minute so the teacher or the parent can teach it and get out of the way you know you're not going to have games that take longer to set up that require longer teaching times that are all you know, a lot of the games that we talk about that are viable game schooling properties and titles that if the teacher is leading it and setting it up and guiding and therefore guidance is a very different than if it's just students. Yeah, or 12, 14, 16 year old. Yeah, if it's set up in a library, we're expecting kids to go over there and use it. They need to be games that they can pick up and learn right away. The same thing if it's in the corner of a classroom as a, as a station in the classroom. You know, you might not be able to put up a game like King of Tokyo because it's gonna require a little bit of explaining. You yeah. Know? So those were some of the ideas that I had of like, okay, what what do those steps look like? And I think it changes for everyone. That's really good. So to peel back the curtain on the
1: game schooler podcast here, we came in with the run sheet and there was one bullet point. And then I intentionally left the rest of the outline open because I wanted to hear what Doug had to say and I'm hoping to take this segment and turn it into a blog a blog post on, that will live on our website uh, down the road. The thing that I had after, once you know your space, and I'm really glad talk, Doug talked about who's the leader in the space. I think that is such a good component to know when you're setting up a game schooling area, center. Um, but for me, it's trust. And I, the analogy that I have if I look at myself from ages 10 to 15, and even going back earlier, we'll say six years old, and we'll stop it at 15. If it came down to baseball cards, I could absolutely be trusted. Those corners were going to be nice and clean. Nothing was going to happen to it. I I had them in in plastic, in, a, in another little thing with the Phillips head bolted, and then, and then in another little lock like. Thing that in a cardboard box, four layers of security for, all for the, my baseball for cards. For all the cards that came for, out in the, the late the, 80s that are now useless Well, But if it was cereal, I couldn't be trusted with cereal because I, I'd go through a box a day. <laughs> so like thinking of your games, like can you trust your games to be left in that space, whether it's a dedicated space. So if, if you are leaving games in somebody else's classroom, can you trust them in a community center, even in a library? Yeah. Because games are a good; they yeah. do cost money. And even like as I'm thinking about taking in a dozen of our games into a different space, that's that's something very real I'm thinking about with setting this up. And then, um, and then, are you able to to leave them, or do they need to go with you? is the other piece. So I think there's a lot here that mm-hmm. we could get into and unpack and we'll unpack further. But when you're setting it up, you need to know your space. you need to know who's leading in that space. And then the level of trust is something that I think you need to be aware of when you're going in so that there isn't hurt feelings. And And trust is one of those things that builds over time, right? And just understand, you know, even in the homeschooling, setting there are games I do not trust my Mm six-year-old with you know and one of those games we're we're about to talk about I don't want to give away a big spoiler but I don't let Eliza play with tapestry yeah I'm not gonna bring that beautiful game to the table and Eliza as a six-year-old has played with a lot of our games we'll play meow we'll play llama sleeping queens we'll play that to death but there are other games where I, I'm not—I don't even trust my own children with some of my own games. And I think yeah. when you're talking about playing games with other people's children, there needs to be a comfort factor there so that people aren't scared to
0: actually play the game. Yeah, well, I think that which one of the things I had on on my list was the idea of—I think no matter what you're doing in in that setting up a game schooling station, I think that game etiquette is something that is almost essential before starting and when i say game etiquette i'm talking about the ideas of respecting the game putting the game away taking care of the game and it's it's interesting when my kids will have friends over that are you know are not used to being around as many games as my kids are and they start playing in the way that they handle cards or the pieces and the way that they do it and you i can almost see my kids faces being like well, you don't do that you don't bend the card like that i don't care how excited you are you know but some of those things that yes they're going to happen you know yeah. and it's it's not the thing of like these all need to be pristine and can never be you know they they're meant to be played with I'm hey, not man, one i i
1: remember the the podcast episode where we were talking i talked about eating chicken wings and the look on your oh. face is like
0: oh, you can't you can't bring chicken wings down here you can't do it um but I think that's an important thing. Of, of So everybody's on the same page of, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm not one of those that we're going to bubble wrap the entire game. Games are meant to be played. I yep. mean, when I had five games and it was the start of my collection, like I wanted everything to be pristine. And if I got a, a box with a dent in it, I'd be devastated. And now it's like, I don't really care. Yeah. Like, they're meant to be played. Like as long as corners are not, you know, stuff's not falling out of the side because the side is so damaged. I really don't care if the box is in pristine condition or things like that. Some of our listeners are cringing because they really do care and about that's that. Fine. And that's fine. That might
1: be a title you don't take into a game schooling setting then. I mean, yeah, just yeah. being real or leave the box back
0: and put it in Ziploc baggie and take oh. the game. <laughs> that's scaring creative. more people. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's something that, you know, setting those expectations before you start um, yeah, of how that game space is to be used. Um, that's really good. So let's recap the segment and move into our high five,
1: if that's all right. So number one, you, you really need to know your space and, and, and visualize what what you have. Number two, who is leading within that space? Is it is it teacher adult led? Is it student kid led? Is it a combination? That matters. Number three, uh, what's the level of trust? that you have in that space. And that leads us into number four, just understanding and teaching and that game etiquette and some of those things that we've talked about over the last 81 episodes really matter. Number five is a call to action. If you are preparing your own game schooling space, please reach out to us. We love to talk shop. You can get us at email at gameschooler.com. We have a contact form you can fill out as well. And we're pretty good with responding back uh, to our listeners.
0: All right, let's move on to the high five if you're anything like us you're constantly on the hunt for new games to try out and this week we reveal our personal high five list of family-friendly stonemaier games Stonemeyer games is a publisher and uh just a fantastic little I mean, you, were gonna, you wanted to talk about <laughs> like a, a bo- boutique publisher they're a small publisher jamie Stegmeyer is the uh, Lead guy over there, so you're going to hear his name a lot. I'm a Stonemeyer champion. champion. And if
1: Jamie's listening, you can verify it. Check me out. I'm a Stonemeyer champion.
0: <laughs> um, I knew there would be a lot of crossover on this That's list. That's okay. Which there is, but the order is very different. Ooh. Uh, so we'll get into that, although not for the first so one. I oh. have
1: not seen your list yet, Doug. Okay. Go ahead. Your number, you're up first. You're number so five. So number five for me is red rising this was released in 2021 alexander schmidt the second i don't know there's a two or is it the second alexander schmidt on board game in the board game geek Uh, database apologies alexander but alexander schmidt jamie Stegmeier, one to six players the complexity on this is 2.27 out of five 45 to 60 minutes i think you can get it done in a half hour 14 plus 12 plus those are the age recommendations 14 plus is what the designers say, 12 plus is what Board Game Geek says. So here's a little bit of flavor text from BGG for you. You want to craft a hand of powerful characters from the dystopian world of Red Rising. And basically you're selecting cards and then you're also forced to play cards that can be selected by your opponents and you're trying to get combinations in your hand that really pay off. So it's that set collection, hand management, chaining it all together. I
0: love this game yeah no it's my number five too so i'll just cut right in there and and throw my thoughts in behind this game um it's a it's a really cool game in which you're trying to craft a a hand of cards right Mm -hmm. and you're so it's one of those things where it's like one is leaving to bring one in and so you're curating it's almost like curating a library in your hand and it's really neat to see how some cards play off each other where it's like You'll get five more points if you have three other gold cards in your hand, right. or if you get if you don't have any black cards in your hand, you get ten more points. And there are a ton of cards in this game, which is one of the drawbacks. Is that sometimes one of your drawbacks? Yeah, because it can be hard to find the cards that you really want. Like, oh, I could, but you may never see. You luck into a strategy in yeah. this game, which yeah. I, I really like, but I know in.
1: Playing it uh, with you, that, that can be kind of a frustrating thing because I lucked into a strategy and yours never paid off. And, yeah, yeah, Yeah.
0: but it's still an awesome game and uh, cool artwork, all that jazz. So that's my number five as well, Red Rising. My number four is Scythe, the
1: 2016 monster game with a lot of expansions. Two hours, ages 14 plus. Board Game Geek says 12 plus. No, 14 plus is right because it's (laughs) 3.43 out of 5 on the complexity. A little bit more flavor text for you from BGG. Five factions vie for dominance in a war torn, mech filled, diesel punk 1920s Europe. This is just a really cool game with an awesome board. Uh, Might be a little bit higher for me if we were to repeat this list in a few years. Admittedly, it's not one that my family is quite ready to play yet, but I know hopefully my kids will be one day. Um, I I feel like I'm that AU dad forcing them to play basketball right now. I'm just dreaming it into existence. But Scythe is a game that uh, plays really well at that three- to four-player range where you you just – I'll speak for me. I need that time to think about what I'm going to do next and two or three other people are taking the turn – Now I get to move on the board and do what I wanted to do next and hopefully get some little combos on my, my board in front of me. Um, there's a lot that could be said about that, but I think you probably have it higher on your
0: list. So I'll save some for you, Doug. All right. Uh, my number four is my little scythe, which is the, uh, I don't want to say the children's version of this, but it's the children's version of this. It's the children's version of this. It was, uh, created by, um, Hobie and Vienna Chow. Uh, published in 2017, one to 6 players, 60 minutes, weight is 2.0. We talked about it in episode 39, so if you really want a deep dive, you can go back there. But this does two things that I think are really cool, and I'll talk about it again when I talk about Scythe, but the victory conditions of this game and Scythe have where there are six or seven main objectives, and you can go after, like, the first person to get four of them is triggering the end game and winning. So I love that thing that there is no set, well, you need to get to a hundred points or you need to be the first one to do this. It's like, well, you can go after any of these. And sometimes depending on the way that the game is playing out, one of those may be more viable right at this moment that you never thought was possible or is not a strategy you were gonna take, but you're like, well, I guess I can complete that one right now and then pivot to something completely different. So I like that. I also like on both games, there is the way that you take actions, which is you have your little action piece that you have to move to a different location every time. So you're not, you cannot spam the same location over and over again, keep doing something. And it forces you to kind of use your whole board or move around and do different things. And I think that's a really cool strategy, both, especially in the kids' version, for kids to learn. That idea is like, ooh, this one is available to me now. Or, all right, I got to do something else. So even though I want to do the same thing again, which one am I going to do? So forcing the kids to make those different decisions are, are pretty cool. So that is my number four, My Little Scythe. Excellent. Number three for me, My Little Scythe. Doug mm-hmm. just
1: gave all the stats. And as he, he talked about, it was our recommended game of the week in episode 39. And for a good reason. This one has gotten a lot of play in my house. That's why it's probably higher than Scythe. And Doug talked about those choices that children get to make in a game that brings back a lot of memories to me. And I hope you're okay with me sharing this, but your daughter refused to get into a pie fight because (laughs) she saw that as being mean. And she wanted to, and this wasn't your daughter's words, but she wanted to be kind and virtuous. (laughs) And so by not getting in a pie fight, I think it actually might've cost her the win that game. That part Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to recall, but it does teach you those different actions of the game. And at the same time, you're not coerced into taking actions. You still have that choice because you have more than one choice, right? So if I don't want to go down on the friendship meter, because when you get involved in a pie fight, you go down in that friendship meter, you can then move to a different part of the board that will help you to keep going up in that area. Uh, just a little bit of background: I know we talk about it and I recommend a game of the week, but Hobie and, and Vienna Chow, uh, a father and daughter team, uh, you know, this started from a reskin of My Little Pony with Scythe, and then you talk about you know Jamie Stegmeier saying that looks like something that that would actually work. That level of creativity and ingenuity. I just absolutely love the story behind the game. There's an expansion for it. We haven't actually gotten the expansion to the table yet, but this will always have a spot on my uh, Stonemeyer shelf in my Calyx. It's just a great,
0: great game. Yeah. My number three is the Big Brother Scythe. Uh, we talked about it earlier, 2016. Jamie Stegmeier, the designer of that one, two hours. and At this At least. Is the, the most complex, but it, it builds on what My Little Scythe has, and the thing I really like about this is it it's got that it's got that same level of in in My Little Scythe that's friendship and regular Scythe that's its popularity and that influence, and you're balancing those things. I really like this game too because it's has that area control type of feel without a lot of direct conflict. It's almost, it reminds me of like, almost like a um, Cold War type of feel. Yeah. Where it's like, uh, I have the threat of pressure. So maybe you don't want to come into my space because it's more detrimental for both of us. But there are also times where it's like, I need to get into that space. But you can operate without doing that and win the game. You know, so I like that thing. You've got these big mechs of plastic miniatures that are on the board. And they're in this 1920s Russian cornfields and wheat fields and stuff like that, that it's just a very unique imagery and artwork that, that does a lot of really unique things. It's a table hog. Oh, it's huge, but it's an awesome game. It's a great table hog. It's a great rain day game to get out. And if you
1: like solo games, uh, the, the solo version of it is fantastic. That's the only way it gets played in my house is a solo version. There's also the last thing I'll say on it. There's a great little instruction book that it it's bound. It, that, that's the version I, I mm-hmm. splurged on that when I got the game. It has a, a spiral bound
0: um, rule book that okay. is just, just fantastic. So And there's an expansion that adds a cooperative mode to this game, too, which is another crazy... I haven't played that yet. Have you played that? I have played that. How is it? It's very interesting, where you're trying to meet the objectives, but as a group, you know? So very weird, but very cool. Awesome. All right, so that's my number three, Scythe.
1: Yeah, my number two is a game that we have talked about a lot, especially in episode 36, designed by Elizabeth Hargrave just waiting for Doug to flash it on the screen, and that is
0: Wingspan. I cannot believe this is not your number one.
1: Oh, you're surprised by that. Yes, I, I am. It tells you how much I love both of these games. And sometimes <laughs> <Any> listing, <game. laughs> I, I don't put my children in a top five list, right? Because I love all of them equally and the same, and this was a very difficult part of this list. But our list goes from five to one, so I will not make any more comparisons to love of my children with inanimate objects like board games. Getting back to the number two Wingspan, a 2019 release by Elizabeth Hargrave, one to five players, 40 to 70 minutes. Um, in McCabe Land, it's always 90 to 120 minutes. We'd never get that thing done in 40, you kidding me? 2.45 out of five, ages 10 plus. Interesting tidbit, not only was this the recommended game of the week in episode 36 of the Game Schooler podcast, shameless plug here, right now, today, it is the number one family game on Board Game Geek.
0: Which I don't agree with,
1: by the way. Uh, Doug, these are facts. I'm not making this up. No, I came prepared.
0: Do I need to open the laptop no, and show no, you? No, I agree with that. That is true. That okay, good. I'm not I'm not disputing the fact. <laughs> I don't agree <laughs> this with... This is not a family game. Yes. <laughs> like, I, I think that this is on the very... It is not the number one family game it, of all time. It rides
1: the line. See, I have, a, I have a good friend and a listener of the podcast, Nick, and I actually got to play this game with him a few weeks back, and he plays it with his eight-year-old. So I agree with you, and I. But in my house, this is not a preferred family game. This no. is a, a, a Michael solo. I've got some friends over, and we're gonna play a gamer game.
0: This is a. Uh, but let's a, talk a about it's awesome. A gamers family
1: game, yes, right? A, game, a board game geek family, family game. Family game. Yeah. Let's talk about Wingspan and why it's awesome, shall we? Or do we want sure. to save it till it comes up in your list? <laughs> no, go ahead. Because we've talked about it a lot. No. But in Wingspan and the art with Beth Sobel's art is just simply phenomenal. Um, in, I'm talking about the base game covers Birds of North America. And you are, there's three different zones on the board. And you are playing birds out of your hand into those zones. And then that is triggering additional actions and bonuses We've talked about this at length in episode 36. Other podcasts have talked about it at length. There are some fantastic interviews out there. Elizabeth Hargrave recently did one with Tom Bassell and Eric on their show, At the Table, and that is a really good interview. So check it out if you want to hear more about Wingspan. All
0: right. My number two is Tapestry. I can't believe you don't have this higher. I can (laughs) because I I put a different one higher. Um, but you, now this would be shocking to me because you don't hear me talking about how much I love it. That's why I'm surprised. So 2019 Stonemeyer Games, Jamie Stegmeier is a designer, one to five players, 120 minutes, two, at least 2.91 is the complexity. Tapestry is a game that I did not like the first time I played it, um, and I've had good experiences with this, and I've had not so great experience with it, but I do enjoy the journey. And the idea behind this game was that it was a uh, a civilization game condensed, right? To have all the, the cool stuff that you would get in an eight-hour civilization game condensed down into two. Um, I don't know whether he succeeded on that, but I do enjoy the game. You're going up Four different tracks, whether it's military, science, uh, exploration, and technology. Technology, good one. And you're going up these different tracks, and as you go along, uh, you get different bonuses. the The real cool thing about this is that there is no round structure. You take your turns, and eventually you go into the next age. But that doesn't mean everybody's going into the next age. You're going at your own pace the way that you're manipulating your resources and which tracks you're going down. And I think that's a really cool thing. There's not a lot of games that do that where I can still be in the first age and you're in the second age and the game is playing no differently yeah. for us each round. So. That is my number 2 tapestry and it's my number 1. I absolutely love this game.
1: I do own all the expansions for it. If if a third or fourth expansion comes out, I'll be first in line as a Stonemire champion to get another one. I am a fan of how this game plays because no two games are the same. And Doug did say, you know, I've also had one really bad experience with this game where I felt like I got beat up. But you know what? that's life. And <laughs> it was a board game. And it made me want to get back to the table and play it again. It wasn't mean enough where I said, forget about it. I'm never playing this game again. Um, the the piece that I, I really love about it is not only am I moving up on the track, but there are also, are they called roll cards? I should have looked it up before the podcast. But uh,
0: They're your, uh, civil they're, I want to what say they're, they're your, c- your civilization. And
1: I'll look it up while you're talking about number one. To the civilization check. cards? Is that what? Yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. you're starting civilization. You're starting civilization cards that get upgraded um, as the game moves on. So to me, it's not just I have this outer track that I'm trying to build and get buildings, but I, I I'm, I'm working on trying to optimize multiple parts during the game mm-hmm. while others are doing the same thing. So not only am I going on this journey as an individual, I love the competitiveness of the game. I I just, I I love it. And I think it plays really well at three players. Um, In in a two player, that's where some of that that catch-up mechanism isn't always there. Uh, Now, from a game schooling standpoint, I know I don't talk about this game as often on our podcast because I don't think it fits well. I've never played this game in under two hours. Yeah, This is a hey, we're getting together, we're playing board games, we are playing tapestry because I
0: love it. Well, and to be fair though, how often have you played this game with people that all know? There's, every time I've played it, there's always at least one person new. So that's kind of slowing down the game a little bit. Yeah. But you know, you did mention the, the part about that I really like about it is there are so many things going on in this game. You have the tapestry cards that figure uh, into, as you jump from era to era. There's a spatial component while you're putting buildings on your capital city yep. to get points there. Your engine building, uh, there's race elements. Is the first person to get to certain spaces can get um, buildings that they can put in their capital city. So there's like four or five different mechanisms all going on at once that do a great job Ooh, Michael rated it a ten. I look at his board game geek.
1: <laughs> Man, why are you spying on <laughs> my? Yeah, oh, next thing you, are, you're gonna do, you're gonna your ra- you're gonna tell him my username. Are your are your ratings not public? <laughs> no, I did rank it a ten. It is my favorite Stolmeyer game. Like I said, I I love this company. They they take up two spaces on my Calyx, um, or two of the cube spaces, whatever you want to call them. Well, these guys. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's your, it's, your civilization it's cards and an era that that can upgrade in the era. So Oh, those are the tapestry cards. Tapestry cards, sorry. Want to make sure I get my terminology right so I don't have to clean something up next week. So that is my number one game. Um, honestly as we get out and about and re-enter the world and go to conventions and things like that, I hope to play this game at least once a year every year for as long as I'm walking on planet Earth. I really like this game that
0: much. Interesting. All right, awesome. And my number one is Wingspan. Um, we talked about it earlier, episode 36. We talked about it in great detail. I, this is an interesting dichotomy to Red Rising where I talked about that there are so many cards in there that sometimes it's hard to get the ones that you want. This one, I don't have that issue, even right. though there's, still, there's probably twice as many cards in Wingspan. Like the amount of bird cards in this game is certifiably insane. Yeah. The fact that they're having expansions that are adding even more bird cards, but it never bothers me because it's not like, there's no cards that are saying, well, you need to get this exact bird to get 4,000 points. Have you heard the
1: expansion story and all that's coming out? No. One game per continent? Yeah. I, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, that that's so,
0: incredible though when you uh, look at... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd be. I guess it'd be interesting if you can just shuffle out each continent and you're only playing with that continent's birds. And as a collector, you'll have to get them all, Doug. I will not. I will not. I, uh, I have passed on those expansions many times. So far. So far. Yeah. But that is my number one wingspan. Michael, any honorable mentions for you? Yes,
1: I have two. Uh, Viticulture is an honorable mention. It's a worker placement, uh, a game and which is often referenced in the, in the hobby as one of the premier and essential worker placement games. Uh, when I played it, I felt like I always wanted to do more, to the point of almost frustrated with it. But I also really enjoyed it, made my honorable mention list, and then one on my want to playlist, just to mention because I brought it with me in case we can get to the table today. Uh, but that's the Libertalia Winds of Galecrest. I I was in line as I, I don't know if I mentioned I'm a Stolmeyer champion, so I get the mm-hmm. newsletter and I find out all about the latest. But I, I got in on the first edition of that. Unfortunately, it's still in the shrink because uh, it's just been backlogged. But that's one that I really look forward to getting the table over the next few weeks.
0: Yeah, and full disclosure, Libertalia would knock out Red Rising for me as far as games. But I have not played the Stonemeyer version. Libertalia was re- uh, released earlier um, by a different company. And I have that version, but I do not have the new version, and I didn't want to put that on the list yeah. without playing it because I don't know exactly what tweaks and differences there are. And fuller
1: disclosure, over the weekend I was talking to Doug about, I've got to get this to the table, I'm going to have to solo play it before our podcast because I knew that this segment was coming up, and the level of excitement in Doug's voice of, oh, I could teach that to you, I don't know if you need to play that solo. I
0: think so, I have a feeling we'll be playing that over the next few weeks together. Yep, that sounds good. All right, so that is our high five list. um, And that is going to do it for us this week. I want to remind everybody to uh, subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe to the YouTube channel channel if you haven't. Um, We'd love to to hear from you there and and get some more subscribers. We're going to be posting more videos as time goes on. So make sure you do that. Subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe to YouTube. Like us on Facebook uh, if you haven't done that yet. We have um, information on there, our blog posts and all that stuff gets posted there. Uh, Also follow us on Twitter at GameSchoolerU. That's the handle for Facebook and Twitter at GameSchoolerU. So check us out there. And lastly, but certainly not least, thank you so much for spending the last hour or so with us. We really appreciate it. Now get out there and start GameSchooling.